0: Sheriff's Office investigating a homicide. Breaking news in Lee County right now to start your Friday morning. A death investigation underway right now. Tonight, a new investigation into one of the most notorious
1: unsolved murders. Homicide cases in Lee County are still unsolved. I'm Lee County Sheriff Carmine Marcino. The fact is, some homicide cases go unsolved or cold every single year. These victims have no justice, justice. and their families have no closure. Here in Lee County, Florida, we use every resource available to solve these crimes, including this podcast. We will not tolerate those who committed these crimes to walk among us any longer. As sheriff, I promise to bring these criminals that committed these crimes to justice. I'll be opening these case files to you, the listener with the hope that we will uncover a witness, fact, or evidence not previously reported. So please listen, and you just might hold a clue to help us close this case. This is Seeking Closure, Seeking closure. Lee County's Cold Cases. This episode takes us to 1993, when a 30-year-old man with special needs was burned alive and killed in the trunk of his own car.
2: Cold case number 93-110667. David Caporetto, Homicide. It was the fall of 1993 in Southwest Florida. The warm nights getting shorter and shorter. A time when kids were looking for their favorite costumes for Halloween. And Hocus Pocus was playing in the local theaters. But the reality what actually unfolded on the night of October 16th would haunt this Florida town for decades to come.
3: 911, what is your emergency? I'm calling about a fire. Where at, sir? This is on Agnes and Danny. And I was told a a few
2: minutes ago to, to the fire department. So I want to make sure they're able to find it all right. All right, sir. Stand on line. I'll connect you with them. Thank you. The fire department was dispatched to a vehicle on fire in Lehigh Acres. What they would discover upon arrival is that this potential arson case had just become a homicide. Complaint death, Do
0: we have an ETA for the vehicle fire on Banning in Lehigh? We're dispatching it now. Okay, when we get
2: one, can we call... The Lee County Sheriff's Office would find 30-year-old David Caporetto burned to death in the trunk of his own Ford Tempo.
0: David Caporetto was murdered when detectives found his charred remains inside a burning car in Lehigh Acres.
2: David Caporetto was a 30-year-old single man, living with his parents in a modest house in Lee County.
0: Well, David was a wonderful little baby.
2: <laughs> David grew up with disabilities and struggled to find his place in life.
0: He was born with club feet, one leg was shorter than the other. I- I felt a little bit sorry for him because it was hard for him to do things. He went to um, St. Michael's for elementary school and he, he graduated from St. Michael's after in, from 8th grade. Then he went to Fort Myers High and that's where everything started, not because of Fort Myers High, but because of being thrown in with a, a different group of people.
2: David wanted to be accepted and to find love. According to his mother, it almost consumed him.
0: He wanted a girlfriend so bad. He wanted he he would the girls that he was on the level of were too young for him. The girls that were doing, he they would have never been interested in him. So, you know, he was just caught. That's the way he was in high school. He was just he was
2: caught in the cracks. David worked at several places, including Walmart and a gas station. The gas station was busy and had regular customers.
0: Uh, they used to have a service station facing Addison Mall. And this is after he was you know, maybe 25. He had a little a truck, a Mazda truck. And uh, the girls from the clubs would come by and get whatever they wanted or he'd fill their cars. They definitely took advantage of him then. And because I, I told I said, David, how can you have all these on your your truck don't even hold this much gas. I you know, you had to pull it out of him, what he was doing, but he said he didn't know how to them, no. He
2: wanted to make have happy. Some of these regulars were dancers or bartenders at strip clubs in Lee County.
0: I don't know how I got you. All I know is David called me and he said, Mom, all the guys are going to the Foxy Lady Lounge and they want me to go with them. I said, but just be aware that they might be teasing you. Then they added it was Foxy Lady Lounge, Fantasies paradise
2: club david's love for the attention made him a regular in most of the local strip clubs and even some in neighboring counties he once went to a strip club in sarasota county where he was a victim of an assault and battery
3: he got close to a girl up in sarasota right, uh, from a club up there i'm not sure what the name of it is. and um, <clears throat> he got rolled up there by his by her boyfriend or girlfriend, or boyfriend or brother at one point in time. Did he get hurt? No, they just had uh, strong arms and many of them.
2: Over the next five years, David made himself a regular fixture at the clubs. He would learn the girls' names, start to know the DJs and doormen, and seem to find trust in his new circle of friends. There wasn't much David was not witness to when it came to what went down inside the walls of these establishments.
4: Jesse Morgan, I was involved in limousines back then. Limousine business, security, doing bodyguard work. So
2: was it your impression that David worked for the club? Yes, Oh, of course.
4: I thought he was a manager or, uh, or owner, you know, at the time.
2: He was seen many times speaking to managers inside their office. He
3: used to do deliveries for Jamie also. He would do things for Jamie. He had
0: brown sacks, is what he would leave
5: the office with. I remember David Wood.
0: Okay.
2: Everyone who knew him said David kept to himself and was a nice guy. Lance Hale, a former DJ at Little Mermaids who now works in radio out of state, had this to say about David. As far as
5: David was concerned, he came in here and he... I mean, I, I saw him every day that this club was open, he was in here every day that I worked. And I talked to him for a few minutes, you know, we chit-chat but about nothing of significance, him going over to Bird's Club and it being boring, or him seeing that girl over at the Red Carpet Inn, or him going to work, uh, that's about it. And I do remember seeing him that Saturday, asking for Tiffany, and that was the only thing that he said, he was looking for her.
2: His loyalty to his circle of friends would land him with what some called a part-time job at the Paradise Club. A side hustle of sorts. He would bar back or run errands, including one person in particular.
3: Wayne Woodring, okay, Wayne. He he called me every night. He brought me coffee, I mean, most every night.
2: There were a number of adult entertainment establishments in Southwest Florida. Fantasies, Foxy Lady, The Mermaid Lounge, Birds Club, and The Paradise Club. The most popular of all these was the Paradise Club. The Paradise Club sat on Cleveland Avenue, the main road that runs north and south through Lee County.
4: It was so neat, I'll tell you what, you walked in, um, the front doors, they had the stage all the way in the back, they had tables set up, the bar off to the left, and then the power shower. power shower was uh, pretty much uh, for bachelors, but it was all glass, girls got in there and took a shower, and they would soap up and everything else, and you could watch a girl in um, stools right in front of you and you watch your shower. And bachelors would get up in there, instead of going up on a stage, they could take you in the shower and they would soak you down in the shower. And the girls would um, soap up the walls and now you can't see anything inside there. What goes on, you know, that type of thing.
2: People who went to the Paradise Club knew things could sometimes get wild and you couldn't mess around.
4: I was there a couple different nights, many fights in the parking lots. Um, There was one death in the parking lot that I recall, I wasn't there for it, but I was there right after. Um, Somebody died in the parking lot and got shot in the parking lot.
2: The Paradise Club had a certain vibe, a vibe many people liked as it was always busy and one of the spots to be on a Friday or Saturday night. It was owned by a local businessman, well known in the area named Jamie Carrillo. Jamie was popular in Lee County. Everyone knew him and his parties were one that would leave with stories to be told. Jamie wasn't just popular with the party scene, he was also very popular with the Drug Enforcement Agency.
4: Hey. Friday as a federal judge handed down
0: a 27-year prison sentence for his conviction on cocaine charges.
2: In July of 1993, Jamie, along with two associates, Kung Vu Tran and Ignacio Pusuedo, were arrested by the DEA for the sale of cocaine. Carrillo remained in jail while the other two would soon bond out. Business would continue as usual for both sides of the business, and David would continue his errands.
6: He ran errands for Jamie.
2: So the rumor was out that
5: David was running drugs for Jamie. Did, mm-hmm. Do you think David knew he was running drugs? Or? No. Da- they were no. just having to deliver packages for mm-hmm. him.
2: David was shy. It didn't say much to people he didn't know or associate with many one of the people david had trust in was wayne woodring wayne considered himself david's closest friend
3: I it was pretty he used to come over to the house a lot oh yeah all the time okay i didn't know how close a friend you were because most of the people i've talked to um their friendship with him even the ones that claimed to be close friends with him it was um uh, was his, closest, uh was his closest friend. Kyle was his closest friend
2: Wayne Woodring was a doorman and DJ for Birch Club. He said David would speak on the phone with him regularly, often to ask him if he needed anything.
3: He called me every night, most every night.
2: David would always bring Wayne coffee, his favorite from 7-Eleven.
3: Normally he would come in and then um, leave. I'd give him a dollar and he'd go and uh, pick up coffee from a 7-Eleven, because I didn't like to drink uh, anything but 7-Eleven coffee. But
2: their relationship was deeper than just Java. David had been to Wayne's house on multiple of occasions and even knew his daughter. They were so friendly that Wayne once had dinner at David's family's home.
3: I've I eaten dinner at his house. Um, with mom and dad? No. Just with him. He takes dinner for Tara and I, my little girl. I actually have pretty good friends. So he knew Tara for a while? Yeah. He used to come over to the house a lot. Oh, yeah. All the time. Okay.
2: Another person who called David a good friend was Gary DJ Tommy Lee Hughes. Gary, a DJ at the Paradise Club, was one of the last people to see David alive.
5: When's the last time you saw David come up? That Saturday. He stopped by my house around like two o'clock, two or three o'clock before he had to go to work. What did he come over there for? He just stopped by. He just started stopping by about for a week, about a week. He just stopped by like maybe once or twice. He wouldn't really say much of nothing. He'd just sit there on the couch and tell me that clothes were dead.
3: Did you see him again after that? Yeah,
5: um, it was around 8:30 at night. Uh, I read the newspaper the next day and he said that he got off work at 9:30. But he he came in the door and there was other people coming in. And um, he had, he motioned me to come over to him. So I went over there and then he asked me for a certain girl that works here, Tiffany, which she no longer works here. She works back over at Paradise Club. And I said, she wasn't here, don't know if she's coming in or not. Well, he was in a hurry and he, and he left, left,
2: left. In early 1992, while simultaneously running errands for the club, David would land a job with public supermarkets. It was in the bakery department that David's mom said he found some confidence because it was the first job that David had ever gotten on his own he loved working his shifts at Publix and seemed to get along with his co-workers and patrons of the bakery one particular employee David worked with was named Diana and he would open up a little about his life and his desire to find love
6: when i'm in the bakery he talks to me more than he does anybody
3: he
5: confide in you a
6: lot sometimes
3: what what he confide in you about
6: just basically what he wanted to do with his life really it wasn't really a whole lot he wanted to get out on his own he said he wished he had a girlfriend. He never had a girlfriend in his life. Um, he liked to party with his friends, because that's what he did quite a bit of when he got off work. He never, he went his
0: off,
6: he never mentions their names. That's mm-hmm. what I didn't understand.
2: By September of 1993, it seemed as though David had really come into his own. He built working relationships with his peers and seemed to have a normal life to those who worked with him.
3: his work habits pretty good, he used to show up for work and when he plays
2: he always showed up when he
0: was supposed to. He, matter of fact, he was always early. He was always
3: early. Sometimes an hour early before work. always was nice to the employees and always uh, joking. Or He was a very, very happy person. I...
2: About three weeks prior to David's death, Publix bakery manager, Jose Garcia, started to notice a change in David's behavior.
3: Uh, from the man who used to come, always pulling a joke or uh, happy that uh, he just saw Elvis Presley down the street and that kind of uh, attitude, his personality changed like somebody who is just enclosing himself. Somebody who doesn't want to talk to nobody, very quiet. he seems that he wasn't around anymore. And then he changed his attitude back to it on Saturday. Just on Saturday. To happiness. From happiness to sadness, from sadness to happiness.
2: Jose wasn't the only one who noticed the change in David's demeanor. The once shy and timid person was starting to show signs of stress. A dancer at Mermaids named Joanna said David told her he needed a bodyguard.
7: I know David had mentioned something to one of the girls at the club about getting
2: a bodyguard. But what was it that was spooking David so much? Why or who did he need protection from? Was he involved in something illegal and had gotten too deep, or was he being threatened by a dancer's boyfriend for getting too close?
3: He likes to pull scams on girls, um, like not paying or uh, for a dance or something. If, he, if they started to irritate him or something like that, make him mad. Um, well, one girl from the fantasies had a boyfriend or something come down to come over to his house and uh wanted to try to get money from there it, it no more than 20
2: bucks or so the eve of david's murder he spends most of the evening at burt's club with a dancer known only as Yovana. he would leave there and head home to get ready for his next day shift at Publix. as david headed home the clubs were winding down calling last call and sending their customers home for the evening in lee county liquor establishments would close at 2 a.m that's when the bartenders cleaned the bar Dancers cash out and get escorted to their cars. The DJs and security are usually some of the last to leave. The night was over and unbeknownst to David, it would be the last time he would spend alive because of what was about to unfold in the hours ahead. The sun is just rising on the morning of October 16th as David Caporetto sleeps in his bed at home. His close friend, Gary Hughes, gets up for a drive to the Lee County Jail. The Lee County Jail visiting hour starts at 7.30 a.m. and Gary Hughes was first one there to visit Jamie Carrillo. We remember Mr. Carrillo is in jail being investigated by the DEA for the trafficking of narcotics. Gary told investigators that he went to jail to discuss, quote, getting his job back at the Paradise Club, end quote. Keep in mind that Gary at the time was the DJ at Mermaids, and had just worked a shift five hours earlier.
5: Yeah, I went, yes, I went and seen. I went and seen Jamie. That was what I was telling about how, what I, what I was doing here and stuff. And I'm not making as much money as I used to make over there. I like to have my job back. And he said it ain't up to him, it's up to his uh, wife, Belma. Said I'll just talk to her, so I haven't went over there and talked
2: to him at all. A dancer named Jennifer Barrero says the Hughes told her that when he visited Jamie in jail, that, quote, everything is going to be OK. The people that did this are going to pay, insinuating that those who cooperated with the DEA are going to pay.
7: And he said, well, I just went to see him a couple of days ago. And he said everything's going to be OK, that he's not worried about it, that the club is under his wife's name. and. He's not going to lose it, and he wants you to go back to work. And I said, I don't think I'll go back to work there, not after all the stuff that has happened. And then he says that Jamie said that everybody that did him wrong and that him go through this is going to pay, but that he would never hurt me.
2: According to reports, David wakes up and gets ready for his day and heads out of his house at around 2 p.m. He's on his way to his friend Gary's house. You know the same Gary that just hours earlier visited Jamie Carrillo in jail. David would arrive at the residence of Gary Hughes at what we believe to be around 2.15 pm. Gary, who we know now has changed his name to Gary Shelton, says David came to his home for a quick visit. Gary said David started doing this regularly about a week before his death for no apparent reason.
5: Okay, he went to your house, then he came over here, or he was over here, then He, he was over here, house? then he stopped by my house. What was he, he wearing? Uh, blue jeans and a shirt. What did he come over there for? He just stops by. He just started stopping by about for a week. About a week. He just stopped by like maybe once or twice, and he wouldn't really say much of nothing. He'd just sit there on the couch and just tell me that the clothes were dead. Yeah. He already talked about some girl he liked. Talk to me about some girl he liked at Bird's Club. You remember her name? Michelle.
2: After leaving Gary's house, David heads to Mermaid's Lounge and arrives around 2.30 p.m. According to one of the dancers working that day, David walks in and stayed a few minutes and left. At around the same time, David was spotted by Mermaid Lounge DJ Lance Hale, who said he asked for Tiffany.
5: Sometime between like uh, 2 and 4 that afternoon. Okay. He was in for probably about five, ten minutes. Um, he was asking if uh, a certain girl by the name of Tiffany was working that night because he said that he had to work the night before and he didn't get to come in. He would wanted to see her all week long and she did, she'd did. worked the night before and he was wondering if she was working that night and I told him I didn't know. He said well he might stop back
2: by later and then he left. David was scheduled to work starting at 4pm on October 16th. He arrives on time, clocks in, and begins his work day as usual. A little over an hour later, David got a phone call at work from Michelle Veneux, a dancer and known associate of David's. It wasn't unusual at this time for people to get or make personal calls at work. But David did it so much that it was noticeable to one of his Because he's
6: always constantly on the phone. He'll do some work, he'll stop, go call somebody, says what do you want to do tonight? And then After that, he'll quit, then he'll hang up, then he'll go back and do what he's doing. Five minutes later, he's back on the phone. I don't know if it's the same person or not, because usually I don't pay attention to who he's talking to on the phone.
2: But what was it that Michelle needed? When confronted by investigators, Miss Fadu had this to say.
6: Oh, he would ask me, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah. Like, why is he asking me that, you know? Uh-huh. He says, well, oh, I forgot about this. I'm glad I remember that. We, we talked about Paradise Club, mm-hmm. okay? We talked about girls there. And mm-hmm. I, I just kept asking, like, different things, like, well, what do you know about this and that? You know, we just talked Such about well. girls. What do you know about they, this girl that used to work at Paradise Club? And he said, oh, she was good. Jamie would uh, have a give me or whatever. Well, I think what he was trying to tell me is that he wanted to have sex with me. I said no. Right, exactly you know. really, yeah. And he goes, well, sometimes I can go downtown, drive around, and pick up something. <laughs> and I was like, I wouldn't do that, Dave. I are you, you can catch stuff, you know? Because those are like street and hard, Yeah. You know?
2: David continued his work as usual, stocking the shelves and taking bakery orders. That's until 7 p.m. When David made a phone call to Mermaids Lounge DJ Larry Gore to inquire about his plans for the evening.
3: When was the last time you actually talked with David? Uh, approximately a week ago on the phone. Okay, where was he at? Where, where he works, okay. at Publix. Okay.
5: Did
3: you call him or did he call you?
5: I returned his phone call. No, what he wanted? The usual, just what's going on, what are you going to do tonight? That's about it and as usual my answer is uh i'm gonna sit home and watch tv
2: but it was just over an hour later when david came to his fellow co-workers scared and visibly shaking and crying she says he said something she will never forget
6: when he walked up he says, what do i do and i'm like what are you talking about he says, i gotta do something he says i need to do something he says something something's wrong something's gonna happen and i'm like I didn't understand him. He was going so fast. I said, David, just slow down. Tell me what is going on. What is wrong? now then he started shaking, getting worse. His words were starting to slur. He was starting to cry. I said, David, just calm down. I grabbed a hold of him. He was shaking really bad. And I think it was just the conversation he had on that phone. And I told him, I said, calm down. Tell me what's going on. He said, I can't.
3: What did he say about, he said something, he was afraid to go outside the door? Yeah, he
6: he said somebody's was waiting, he, he's afraid to go outside the door. And I didn't understand what he was talking about. Because that was the first time he came around the corner. And that's when he was leaving. He, earlier he did not look out the door or anything. And I think somebody told him on the phone.
3: Well, what do you think they
6: told him? I really couldn't tell you. It was something that really shook him up. But he wouldn't tell me what was said. He wouldn't even tell me who he talked to.
2: Then told investigators that David ran out of the store, jumped into his car, and was followed by a dark sedan upon exiting the parking lot.
3: So David said he was afraid to go outside? Yeah. He, he was, was concerned about how he was going to get home? Yeah. Did he not have his car
6: here? He had his car here, but he was scared to go out to his car. And then finally, when he quit talking to me, I mean, he ran. He ran through his car. And I watched him. The next thing I know, I don't know if anybody else has seen it. As soon as he started leaving the parking lot, I seen two headlights and followed him out. That was all I had seen.
3: What kind
6: of car? I couldn't tell you because I was quite a ways away, but I did see the headlights. wasn't
3: well,
6: no, like a truck No, it looked like it was a two-door. What color did you
3: doing?
6: It was dark. It was light. Dark color or light color? It looked like it would be a dark color. Old car and it didn't look old. It didn't look old. It looked like it was, like, brand new.
2: David left Publix. It was next seen at Mermaids. Once he arrives, DJ Gary Hughes says David poked his head in, asked for Tiffany, and left once he heard she wasn't there.
5: He came right inside the door, right inside Mermaids' door that Saturday night. He came right in, and he asked me if Tiffany was here. And I said no. What was he wearing? His work clothes.
2: But was Gary telling the whole story? A dancer named Jennifer, who was on stage at the time, says David walked into Mermaids and he was not alone.
7: I was on stage and I was by the last pole. When David walked in with a guy, David never walks in there with anyone. He's never with anybody, especially guys. And the guy walked in with him and I called David to the stage and I asked him if he could pick me up some, something to eat, he had to go somewhere. So I asked him why, because he never says no. They have to whine, the guy kept telling him, come on, we have to leave. So David walked towards the bar and then walked towards the bathroom. Everywhere the guy, everywhere David walked, the guy would walk behind him. And he kept pushing him and telling him to hurry up. When you say
3: pushing him, how do you mean? Like Just on the arm?
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Did, was he directing him to talk to anybody in the club? No, he didn't want to. What were they doing then? Just walk in? And then as soon as he walked in, this guy wanted to leave? Was the guy in the club or did he come in with David? He came in with David. Have you ever seen this man before?
2: Yes. Where? There it is. In a statement given to investigators, we meet Ron Corson, a person who we know very little about, but he says he may have been with David the night at Mermaids. Maybe that night, maybe he, uh, I I got a ride with, I said, come on, Dave, we're going to go check out uh, other clubs.
3: I'm
5: not saying yes or no. I I just can't remember that particular (laughs) night. But I have been in the car with David, and we wrote well. But
2: I can't tell you, sir, if it was that particular night. So was it Ron Corson, the man pushing David and rushing him through mermaids? And who was this Tiffany he is looking for? And even more, why is David looking for Tiffany? Now it's around 9 PM, and the phone rings at Burt's Club. It's David. Talking to Wayne Woodring, this is where Wayne asks a very bizarre question.
3: I talked to Dave that night between 8 and 8.30, and I, was, I wanted to know what if what was going on because I heard that the FBI was down there uh, talking to him. Somebody told me how, uh, and I wanted to know what was going
2: on with that. David arrives at Burt's Club at approximately 9.30 p.m. But his best friend Wayne Woodring couldn't remember if he was there, but later confirms a snack bar interaction where David and burt Club converse over the girls.
3: You're sitting there talking to David. Where were you sitting there talking to him? I was sitting at, or standing at the, uh, I was MC at my time at the deli. Yeah, at, uh, at the counter. Counter, deli counter. At ten o'clock, and you're talking about who?
2: Yvonne. At around 10.15, Burt Club, along with three dancers, leave to go to Saladay's Club. As one of the dancers named Paige walks by David, David reaches out, grabs her hand, just to say hello. Did you see David coming
3: to the club that night? I didn't
4: see him come in, but he was
3: there. Okay, what time did you first see him?
4: I couldn't tell you. It was right before I was
5: getting ready to leave. He walked past and grabbed my hand.
3: You grabbed your a hand? Mm-hmm. And that was uh, right around 10, or right after, ten fifteen 15, something like that?
0: Around 10, sometime.
3: 10 out of 10 after, okay.
2: Shortly after, Bert leaves the club with the three girls. A dancer by the name of Christine sees him leave.
3: They all left? Uh, yeah. yeah. My understanding was that it was at 10, 15 Does that sound correct? Definitely yeah could be.
2: at 10 30 security sees david caporetto leave the club with a male figure behind him and here's the male say see you later david was this male wayne woodring or is ron corson still with him for the next 45 minutes the whereabouts of wayne woodring are not very clear connie nellis the daughter of bird club says she noticed woodring was not around and assumed his duties
3: I oh, well,
0: I saw him go out the door, and he did not come back in for
5: some
0: time. I w- I'm saying 15 minutes. It, it could have been 30. I don't think it was longer.
2: The next time Connie sees Woodring is when Bert returns to his club with Cassie the Dancer between 11 and 11.15 p.m.
3: Let me, wait a
0: minute. It was probably 11.15 because Cassie's boyfriend it was 10 after 11. And when, I, what I was going to do is go call during the Saturdays and see Cassie.
2: Woodring would later claim he never left the property. But Bert says he never saw Woodring upon the return to his club. Just a short 20 minutes after David Caporetto leaves the Bert Club, he was burning alive in the trunk of his Ford Tempo. Close to 11 p.m., a Lehigh resident known as Edward says he sees a car on fire and calls 911.
3: Nine one one what is your emergency? I'm calling about a fire. We're we at, sir? This is on Agnes and and I was called a bit a few minutes ago to, to the fire department to help to make sure they're able to find it all right. All right, sir. Stand around. I'll connect you with them. Thank you.
2: While the fire destroyed much of the evidence within the vehicle, investigators were able to recover DNA from hair and other evidence, some of which were identified as David Caporetto's, and some, still remain unidentified. The death of David Caporetto remains unsolved to this day. There are many theories to what or who may have killed David Caporetto. Some believe he was a snitch and responsible for Carilla's arrest. Others believe he shortchanged the wrong dancer who had a very angry boyfriend or just maybe David Caporetto was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The Lee County Sheriff's Office created this podcast to help close the cases that remain cold. If you know something about this crime, please call the Lee County Sheriff's Office Cold Case Division. Here to give you more information, Lee County Cold Case Sergeant Sutphin.
3: We know that you may have information that could solve this case. No matter how insignificant you think it may seem, we want to know what you know. So give me a call personally at 239 477 1,
2: or call Crime Stoppers at 1 800 780 8477. That's 1 800 780 TIPS. You can remain anonymous and may receive a cash reward. Please help David's parents get closure and help David get the justice he so deserves. You might just hold the key to help others get closure. This has been Seeking Closure Lee County's Cold Cases. Thanks for listening.